Hey, what up? It's Mark Carter. I'm the pastor of Fierce Church. Welcome to our podcast. I'm so pumped that you're able to join us today. I hope this encourages you, inspires you, strengthens you, gives you hope to keep pressing on. And it's my prayer that this sermon gives you a more expansive view of God's love for you. Enjoy the message. Hey, what's up, everybody online? Welcome, Fierce Online family. Hey, if you guys are some of the folks that tune in every week, but you rarely come out, can I invite you two weeks from now, it's Easter Sunday. And if you're not afraid to come into the physical building, it's going to be dope, man. It's definitely worth making the trip. So I'm inviting, of course, everybody here in the auditorium, but also everybody out there online. Hey, my name is Carter. If we haven't met, I'm going to be hanging hanging out right down here right after service. So I'd love to meet you and say, hey, I've got a quote for you. And I wonder if anybody knows where it's from. Already have you that which you need. Already have you that which you need. Yeah, it's Yoda. It's Yoda. Believe it or not, Yoda wasn't really the first one to say that. Uh, It was actually Luke, the writer of the Gospel of Luke. He didn't say it quite that way, but we're going to hear from him. And I just want to encourage you, you already have everything you need. The thing that you need for today's message, you've already got it. So here's what I'm wondering. I'm, I'm, I'm picturing the disciples Okay, Jesus had more than just 12 apostles. There was also lots of disciples. And I'm picturing these lots of disciples because the apostles had just been sent out by Jesus. He was like, you guys are going to bring the kingdom. I'm sending you. He, he stayed up all night praying, hand-selected them, send out the apostles. And, and there's other disciples sitting there and like, I wonder, I wonder if I'm just going to be a spectator now. Like, it seems like he just, like the important people, they just got to go. Like, they're the famous ones, and we're just the ones in the back, background. Do I just have to stay here? And, and is this just about watching now? Am I just supposed to, you know, pop a squat and just listen to what Jesus says but not really do anything else? I don't know if you've ever felt like that. Have you ever felt like, is this what church is? Like, we just come, and then we just come, and we just come? I think the problem with those disciples was that they were unactivated messengers thus far. They were unactivated messengers, and I really believe we have a lot of unactivated messengers here in the church. So Jesus, because he's awesome like this, He's not just going to waste resources. He's like, oh, no, 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 I'm going to activate you. So we've got to understand that Jesus saw potential in every single person. And I hope that everyone here can hear this. And I hope everyone out there can hear this. You already have everything that you need. Jesus can activate you right where you are. You don't need any special software installs. Like you're ready right now. You're already the raw material. The thing about it, though, is it's scary. It's scary to be Jesus' messenger? What if you say it the wrong way? What if somebody brings up something you don't really know the answer to? How, you know, how am I supposed to interact with that? Here's the thing. Just like everything else, we walk by faith and not by sight. And I've found that the, the first thing we've got to do is not feel ready. We've got to just step. we just got to step out onto the water and watch it part. That's how God works. I promise it doesn't mean you'll never run into anything you don't know how to do, but even when you don't know how to do it, God knows how to do it. And his Holy Spirit is there to teach and train us. So when we're in the kingdom, we're in the safe zone. So it's like, why would I take a risk? Why do I, why would I want to do anything scary? The problem is we're forgetting that there's a bunch of people that are not yet in the kingdom. And we've got to make sure that we're activated messengers to help them. The worst thing that we could do is develop and foster and maintain indifference to those who are not yet aware of the kingdom of God that is drawing near to them. So right before this, in, in, in uh, Luke chapter 9, Jesus is getting kind of serious, okay? He's getting serious. He, he says stuff like, hey, if anyone is going to come after me, let them take up their cross daily and follow me. And some people hear that, and they're like, ah, uh, 
what, what? I was, I was here for the bread and I don't know, that sounds like a lot. And so the scripture says they all start to make excuses. Not all of them, many of them start to make excuses. One's like, um, hey, my dad is probably going to die soon, so I just got to go bury my dad, Jesus. Maybe I'll catch up with you a little bit later. Another one's like, hey, I bought a field and, you know, I should probably go look at it, so please consider me excused. Another one's like, I just got some oxen and I need to go, you know, try them out. So sorry, Jesus, got to go try the oxen, can't come with you. And Jesus is like, hey, man, that's no problem. See, I want to go with the goers, Jesus says. If you're not all in, then you'll probably just, honestly, you'll shut down and miss and mess up the message, okay? Because we need some people that are all in, passionate about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, lucky us, there were 72 all in folks. They were ready. They're like, put me in, coach. I'm ready to go. And so Jesus calls these 72. And just like the 12 apostles, he's going to send them out. We're going to learn a lot about being a messenger from them. Pick it up, verse 1. Now, after this... After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them in pairs ahead of him to every city and place where he himself was going to come. So picture, okay, Jesus is like, okay, I'm going to make it to all these towns, but I want y'all to go ahead of me, and I want you to tell them Jesus is coming. Jesus is going to be coming into your town real soon. And he was saying to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, plead with the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Now, harvest was... like a motif of, you know, there's going to be a harvest of souls. It's salvation is going to come to these people. But we got to see this secret that Jesus just told us right there. He said, you can't see it because your spiritual eyes aren't opened all the way, but the harvest is actually plentiful. Sometimes we can say, I don't know if the harvest is very plentiful at all. I don't know if anyone's really interested in this Jesus thing. Jesus says, no, 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 I see the heart. I see what's going on under the surface. It's way more plentiful than you would think. Verse three, go. Behold, I'm sending you out like lambs in the midst of wolves. He says, just so everybody's clear on this, it's not like it's going to be a stroll in the park. It's not like super easy. There's going to be demonic and human opposition, but you're going to make it through. Verse 4, carry no money belt, no bag, no sandals, and greet no one along the way. There's this urgency. Jesus is like, okay, you you got to get over there, man. you got to do it. And he's, he's, he's putting them in a season. What's interesting is later on in the book of Luke, even though right now he's saying don't take anything, later on he's going to say, okay, now it's time to take stuff. Okay, grab a little extra, in fact, as you go. And one of the things that we can take from that, one of the principles is there's just seasons in life and there's seasons in ministry. I remember, I, I don't know that you can really escape this. Maybe you can, but I think most often it's part of God's training curriculum. I remember when Kenzie and I were very young and we had like next to nothing. We were really poor. <clears throat> but you know, that season was so important for what would come later because we had to learn like most everybody does you got to get to the point. If you're ever going to trust God for big things, you got to learn how to trust God for little things. Okay, so we're really important. And we just had to get to the place where it's like, well, we don't have any more of that. Let's pray. Let's just ask God. I remember, like, I was looking at my clothes. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm a mess. I don't have any good clothes, Lord. And then I'm thinking Matthew 6. I'm like, now, now Jesus, you said, I remember this. You said that if we'll just seek first the kingdom of God, you'll provide everything else for us. And you say Solomon wasn't dressed like these flowers. Well, Lord, I need some flower clothes. I need you to get me something here because, you know, I'm looking like a wreck. And then, you know, we pray about it. And then, lo and behold, one of my friends, they, they just happen to be giving away a bag full of clothes. They're like, you want this? And yeah, it's like a season or two old, but I'm like eight seasons old. So I'm like, yes, I'll take it, you know? And so we're just learning step by step, grace by grace, faith by faith. God is teaching us to walk by faith. Well, I got to tell you, dude, like right now, it's a good thing that I learned how to believe for clothes. Because now, this church has big bills. That's why I got to believe every month. God, it's, it's, to believe for something big required something little little steps of obedience. And so 
just sometimes in the, in the curriculum that we're in, God says, okay, now start here. It's going to be different later, but start here. Somebody be encouraged. Just start. Just start where you are. God will take care of you. Just start. Verse 5, and whatever house you enter, first say, peace to this house. And if a man of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. But if not, it will return to you. He's, what he's saying is, check out if they're open or not. Are they open to spiritual matters? You know what that's like, right? When you, you, you're kind of testing the waters. Anybody here like want to talk about spiritual things and you just get like a wall? Like, no. People are like, I'm not emotional. Don't you know, talk to me about anything gooey at all. And you're like, oh, they're not, they're not open to talking about the peace, the message of God. And if a man, yep, it will rest upon him, and, but if not, it will return to you. Verse 7, stay. Somebody say stay. Stay in that house, eating and drinking what they provide, for the laborer is deserving of his wages. Do not move from house to house. Whatever city you enter and they receive you, eat what is served and heal those who are sick. And say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But whatever city you enter and they do not receive you, go out into the streets and say, even the dust of the city which clings to our feet, we wipe off in protest against you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God has come near. Now here's a thing that we don't do when we're trying to share the message of Jesus Christ. And the reason we don't is because you have to understand the context here, okay? These are Jews going to Jewish cities who have been waiting 1,500 years since Moses talked about the prophets who was to come, the Messiah who was to come. So there's a certain version of judgment that's coming on these towns and people that are alive while Jesus is alive and literally going to come to their town and do miracles as signs that he is that Messiah. Jesus is saying, hey man, when th- if they reject that Jesus, yeah, it's bad. It's not going to go well for them. And then he, like Jesus breaks off into this kind of like little, uh, you know, sad ballad. He's like, I say to you, it will be more tolerable on that day for Sodom than for that city. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the miracles that occurred in you had occurred in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago sitting in sackcloth and ashes. Sackcloth and ashes is a way to demonstrate I'm really grieved about my sin. But it will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon in the, ju- in the judgment than for you. Tyre and Sidon were pagan cities. And so he's saying, hey man, these guys that don't, respect or acknowledge the ways of God at all, if they would have seen the things you've seen now, they would have repented long ago. It's kind of like us saying, hey man, Las Vegas would have repented before y'all. Las Vegas would have gotten saved if they'd just seen the stuff you've seen, but your heart is so hard against God and his Christ that, yeah, there's nothing left to cover your sin. And you, Capernaum, will, will not be exalted heaven, will you? You'll be brought down to Hades. The one who listens to you listens to me. Now, here's the principle. And the one who rejects you rejects me. But the one who rejects me rejects the one who sent me. He says, yeah, it's a promise that judgment is real. And we don't want to hear about this, but, but if we spend a lifetime rejecting Jesus Christ and every way he's trying to open us and come in, Jesus says, yeah, there is a real Hades. There's a place where you now have to pay for your sin. I wanted to pay for it, but now you have to pay for it because you didn't open up to the one who would pay for it. So the stakes are real. Okay, so they go away, and they do a little missionary stuff, and then they come back and they report to Jesus. Verse 17. Now the 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I watched Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Behold, I've given you authority to walk on snakes and scorpions and authority over all the power of the enemy, and nothing will injure you. Nevertheless... Do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are recorded in heaven. Let's pull it apart. Jesus gives every one of his 
messengers, a mission of delivering that message. And everyone who has trusted Christ, they've been reconciled to God through Christ, and they've trusted him to be their savior. He says, yeah, this wasn't an accident that I placed you in the context that I placed you in. I am calling you to be my messenger. And it's a message of the kingdom drawing near. Let's pull apart that idea, the kingdom drawing near. They said that in verse 9, the kingdom is coming near you. And verse 11, the kingdom is coming near you. What that means is the kingdom is breaking out and the announcement of the new king has happened. So we have an ancient document that's written in Greek that says, this is the beginning of the gospel of Caesar Augustus. Do you know that? That's a real thing. That was before the Bible. The gospel is not just a Bible word. It It predated the Bible. Gospel means good news. And so what that document is saying, and and they would send heralds to run into the different cities and announce, hey, Caesar Augustus is now on the throne. All of Rome now submits to him. In case you're part of one of the cities that is Rome or might someday be, just so you know, Caesar Augustus has ascended. It's the good news. I'm telling you an objective fact. He is now in charge. Now, he's not here right now. But if he ever rolls through here, you're going to want to go ahead and have already started acting like he is Caesar is Lord. That's going to go best for you. So all you nations, all you city-states of Rome, all you places that might someday come under Roman rule, just know they're saying, the good news is, here's the announcement, Caesar is on the throne. And so when we carry the gospel of Jesus Christ, we say, oh, we got something higher than Caesar. But we're carrying the message, hey, I have an announcement, the king is on the throne. The king is King Jesus, and his kingdom is already happening. Now, he hasn't come through here yet. He's been on earth, but then he went back and he's coming back for the final consummation of everything. And when he comes, it's going to be best for everybody if you are already reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. Instead of waiting around to hope for it, let me give you an example. Before our country began, okay, during the times of the colonies, freedom, it was a whisper. They talk about it in taverns. They talk about, you know, we kind of already run ourselves over here. Right? We, just, we just do this without the king. What if, we, what if we invented a new way where you didn't need a king? What if we just all did it ourselves? We clearly can do it. What if we did it? And then that was the kingdom of America breaking in. It was the kingdom of Great Britain, but it was breaking in. No, 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 it was the kingdom of America. And then when our founding fathers signed the Declaration of Independence, America, the idea was breaking in and saying, no, I'm here. They're acting like it's already America. And then as we won different battles and finally the British surrendered, the kingdom of America was breaking in and saying, no, now we're here. And God says, everywhere I'm sending you is my little messenger. You're a little breakout. You're a little breakout session. You're saying, break out. The kingdom is here. That's what this church is. Do you know that? We're breaking out through the internet. We're breaking out in this community. We're breaking out. And every time someone gives their life to Christ, they're breaking in to the kingdom and the rule of Jesus Christ. In two weeks from now, when it's Easter Sunday, we're going to invite people. We're going to say, hey, man, the kingdom is coming near. Let it break out in you. Acknowledge the gospel that Jesus is Lord right now. Now, here's what's awesome. It's way awesomer than Caesar's announcement. Jesus has very different terms than Caesar did. Jesus' terms, and we carry this as messengers, the king offers peace. The king wants peace. The king just wants you to be so secure. You've been outside the garden for so long now. You were kicked out. You're in exile. And this whole planet is so messed up. And there's so much pain. And there's so much difficulty. And the king is offering peace. And I want to bring you back into the safety of my kingdom. And you do get forgiveness. That's true. You get forgiven. Okay, so the relational breach that was caused, oh, that's gone now. That's forgiven. It's completely made up for penalty paid. But you get more than that. First Peter 1. 
talks about the fact that we have a living hope. Right now, here's what all of you know. Everybody watching, you know this. You know that at some point, you're going to die. You have a dying hope. You're going to die. It's going to happen. But when you come back into the kingdom, that hope changes. I'm going to live. Yes, Jesus said, those who believe in me will never die. Even though it'll feel for a minute like you'll be closing your eyes in death and your body will have decayed, but you'll be opening your eyes in heaven. Those who believe in Christ, because they're now in the safety of the new kingdom, no, you never die. In fact, all the stuff that was breaking down in your body now is renewed. I was like, holy cow, I can't even be killed anymore. Like, that was always a thing. I was, you could always be killed. You could always lose limbs and stuff like that. Nope, not anymore. Not in the safety of the new kingdom. These are great terms that he's offering us. Not only that, all the difficulties, all the tensions, all the geographic conflict and the ethnic conflict. Jesus says, oh, no, no, no. that's going to be all the past. That's never going to happen again. That's why in the church of Jesus Christ, people of different backgrounds, different races, different colors, they come together and they're one in Christ. And it's a sign and a wonder to the rest of the world and to every force in hell saying, no, no, see, in the kingdom, Jesus heals all that. That's why it's so important that we walk in unity because it's a sign and a wonder. And get this, and all the devils that gave everybody trouble, all the false gods that caused people to lust after false things, all those guys, they start to fall off their thrones when you come into the kingdom, when you let the kingdom break in. And that's what happens because these disciples, they return to Jesus. Remember what they said? They're like, Jesus says, I watched Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Behold, I've given you authority to walk on snakes and scorpions and authority over all the power of the enemy. Some, some think that Jesus was talking about, oh, he's kind of remembering when Satan fell back kind of before earth. <clears throat> really, it's not that that's not true, but in context, it seems much more likely that he's saying, as you guys were finding out that I had given you power over the enemy, he was just seeing devils fall right and left. The power that had so long ruled was now reversing. And so these, these disciples come back, and they're like, man, these devils, they just fall right off their thrones. And I'm sure the devils are like, crap, what happened? Now they're beating us. They could never beat us before. What is going on? <gasps> the kingdom is breaking in because of the gospel, the announcement that Jesus, his kingdom is breaking in. Uh Uh-oh, guys, it's over. And why do we get all that? Why is that deal available? Why do we get the safety of the kingdom? Because Jesus Christ died on the cross and paid the penalty and paid for all that to come back together and paid for all those devils to get kicked off their thrones and paid for you and I to live together forever in heaven. You're going to get a new body. You're going to get a new everything. You're even going to get new riches. You believe that? You're going to get riches that don't end. Right now, you have a, a finite amount of money and you spend it and then it's gone. No, you get eternal riches in heaven. That means, oh, here's some riches. Oh, I tried to spend it, but I have more. It just didn't go away. I just always have it. It doesn't fade. That's what your inheritance is. But let's understand the why. Why does Jesus do this? And this happened right before, this is in Matthew 9, 36. Right before he sends out the apostles and then the disciples, seeing the crowds, he felt compassion for them because they were distressed and downcast like sheep without a shepherd. He felt compassion. That's why. Why did Jesus do all this? Why is he sending these people? He's sending them because his heart breaks. Can I tell you, if we're ever going to get this, if we're ever going to get really far with being messengers, here's what you got to understand. If it's not born of compassion, I don't really believe it's going to work. Now listen, I've written evangelism classes. I've taught evangelism classes. I've certainly taken evangelism classes. And I found the one missing ingredient that if you don't have it, it doesn't matter how much training you get. You can have no training, but if you have compassion, 
If your heart is broken for people far from God, if you just like let it sink in, like, oh my gosh, these people, like Jesus loves them so much and they're, they're in danger. I've got to find a way to be helpful here. If we can get that down, it makes all the difference. We kind of become like these carbon monoxide alarms in people's lives. Some of you, you've, you've got one of these, right? And it's just this little alarm. It's going to alert you if ever it needed to. Something is wrong that you can't see. Something is going wrong in your environment. Alert, alert, there's carbon monoxide. And in, in, in the same way, especially in this generation, God is sending us his messenger to say, there's something going wrong that you cannot see, but it's true. You too are part of the treasonous race against the master, and I need to warn you. Kind of like the firemen, okay, like the, the firemen, they, they stand outside the window and they got like the, what are that, trampoline-looking thing, right? And they just, hey, jump, okay? Thing's on fire, man. You got to get out of there. Now, if, if, if we just look down and we're like, nah, I'm not so sure it is, guys. Why don't you just take off, right? The firemen aren't there because they're mean. They're not there because they want you to feel bad. They're there because compassion. They want to help. Us being messengers isn't for the purpose of making people feel bad. It's not for the purpose of, you know, you bad person. The the purpose is saying, guys, this thing is on fire whether you know it or not. And Jesus is here. He's been outside the fire. He knows if you just jump into his arms, you will be rescued. So can you believe? Can you believe before we go on? This is not about irritation. God is not irritated with anybody. God is not just angry. Dude, if he was just angry, he never would have sent a savior. He would have just been like, I'm not even telling him. I'm just going to judge him. He would not have sent Jesus Christ if it were not out of compassion. It was the father that so loved the world, not the father that was so irritated. The father so loved the world. It was born out of love. And we've got to get that identity down. So here's number one. Activated messengers receive their identity as a sent one. As a sent one. Now after this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them. He sent them. He sent out his ambassadors. And that's really what our identity is if we're in Christ. You know what an ambassador is, right? An ambassador is somebody who, they have the authority of the kingdom they're from. They go into another country and they, they represent that sending country and say, I can speak for them. I'm telling you everything that's going on. And my friends, until we own that identity, until we switch identity over into sent one, I don't know that we're going to feel the weight of it. Now, this generation in particular, millennials and Gen Xers, they're big into identity, man. And there's nothing wrong with that. I don't think Gen Xers, I'm a Gen Xer. I don't think we were that into it, but there's nothing wrong with it. It's great to find out our identity because God says a lot about our identity. But let me just clarify some identity things, okay? So unfortunately, with our time, people are looking for their identity without consulting the creator of the person. They're just like, I think I'm this, or I think I'm, you know, I'm I'm mostly my race, or I'm mostly my sexuality, or I'm mostly this opinion, or I'm mostly that political party. And that's not their identity at all. Here's how we start the identity conversation, the hierarchy, okay? First and foremost, you are a thing created in God's image that he loves. That's top of the list. That's what your identity is. That's exactly what you are. Now, also part of your identity is you're a fallen version of that, okay? That means... All of us are marred by the disease of sin. We're still loved, but we're still marred, meaning we are in need of rescue. When we're rescued by Jesus Christ, a whole bunch of other things come true. Now you're not just a creature created in his image. Now you're a son or daughter. Now you're part of the family. So what are you before you're anything else? If you're in Christ, dude, you're a creature that God loves, that he created in his image, that is now a son or daughter. That is your identity. Start there and work your way out from there. One of the things that's not long after that is you're a messenger. 
If you're, if you're reconciled to God through Christ, you are a messenger. That's just part of your identity. You are ambassador. So for some of us, let's just picture a big like ambassador badge. Boom. You got to take it out. And some people, you took yours off a long time ago. You're like, ah, that's not my gift. No, pull it back out. It's still there. Go ahead and put it on. You are an ambassador. It looks different in different lives, but it's still the same calling. It's still the same thing. And this is demonstrating to us, Jesus is like, no, it's not just the 12 apostles. That's why I chose these other 72, because they're a part of it as well. I want to tell you a story of when I jacked up the ambassador thing. Okay, so I was a Christian probably two weeks. Like, I was not a very old Christian. I'm 18. I'm at this party, college party, underage drinking, a lot of stuff going wrong, okay? And I'm there, and yes, I'm a Christian, but I'm like, ah, I'm here. I'm just going to have a few drinks, and I keep drinking, and I get intoxicated. And then lo and behold, right there in front of me is my Christian friend. He's a guy that had been intentional with me, telling me about Jesus Christ. And I'm, I'm... I'm still soberish enough to start to feel shame. I was like, oh man, I even tell him right there. He's smiling, got a Coke in his hand. I'm like, oh man, I'm so ashamed. Like, I know I'm not supposed to be doing that. I knew enough. I, okay, I'm, not supposed to, I'm 18, I'm not supposed to be breaking the law, and I'm not supposed to be drunk. I already know that much. And I'm like, man, I'm so ashamed. He just smiled at me. He said, hey man, it's okay, I love you. It's all good. I'm your brother. And in his acceptance... And in his smile, something broke in my heart. And I was still ashamed, but I experienced the love of Jesus Christ. And I remember waking up the next morning, being like, I never want that feeling again. Because I'd known, you can, you can try to fake it. You can try to fake being a Christian. The problem is, like my buddy, everybody knows you're faking it. It's not as hidden as you think. And so I made a decision that day. I was like, dude, I'm either going to do this or I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to fake it. Because then everybody's miserable. And by the grace of God, I put on this little name tag that said, I'm not, it's not that I'm not going to make mistakes, but from here on out, I wasn't an ambassador last night. I'm an ambassador from here on out. I'm going to do everything I can to represent the message of the kingdom. Do you believe that you are an ambassador? Here's number two. Activated messengers spread the message by spending time with people. Verse seven, stay, stay in that house. Stay in that house. That means stick around relationally. This has to do with proximity and time. See, God can do amazing things when we just stay put, but we as a generation are so addicted to the next hit that we're always looking, oh, where else can I go? What else can I do? And it's not that entertainment isn't fine and sometimes God leads us into different directions and that's all true, but there's something about relationally sticking with it, about relationally sticking around and seeing how the seasons change and how we might be able to be helpful. Because some people you might want to share the message with, the truth is right now, dude, they've got a lot of pain, and they're not so sure about you. Because like, yeah, I knew somebody that kind of was like you, and it didn't turn out so well. Like they were just kind of posing. And so it might take a few seasons to go by. It might take a little time before they can be like, you know, I wasn't even ready, but now I'm, I'm ready to talk about this. I had a friend in my 20s who... I was, you know, I was a Christian now, and I'm trying to like be intentional. Like, Let's talk about Jesus and stuff. And he was like, you know, dude, I'm just, I'm just not there. I'm not there right now. I'm not open. Now in my 40s, he's wide open, dude. <clears throat> he's wide open. Life has happened, okay? Some things just, it takes a while. They soften you up, getting hit by the boulders of life. And I was like, oh, let's talk about Jesus all day long. So sometimes it's just the season that we're in, but I'm so glad we stayed in touch. There was a staying there. I'm so glad my initial friends that... I wasn't a Christian, but they were being intentional with me. They just stuck around. 
And see, I wasn't really close to Christ at first, but they kept asking me to come to their church or come to their youth group. They just kept asking. And, you know, you, can, you got like three or four excuses. Oh, no, 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 I can't do it this weekend. Sorry. Hey, don't buy that real quick, okay? When people tell you that, don't buy that real quick. It's like, hey, I'll, just, I'll ask you again. I'll just keep on asking because I'm going to stay. I'm going to stay put. I'm going to keep asking as long as I've got breath until they just slap you in the face and say no. Now, if they do, that's probably a good hint to stop asking. But the question is this, who, who is God calling you just stay intentional with, stay investing over the years? Doesn't mean you need to be best chums, but other people in your family that you're like, oh, I don't know. No, stick with it. Or there's people who you worked with or still work with. No, stick with it. What about people, maybe you met them in the online world and it's like, you know, everyone's going everywhere on the internet, but maybe there's a few that you just keep checking in with from time to time because you don't know how they'll warm up later. Here's a question I really think is dangerous to ask, but you ask the Holy Spirit for eyes. God, open my eyes. Who do you want me to stay with? Who do you want me to keep after it with? Because Jesus, remember what Jesus said? Hey man, the harvest is plentiful. You all can't see it, but he can see it. It's bigger than you think. Verse eight, whatever city you enter and they receive you, eat what is served to you. Why would you, why would you eat what they serve? What, what is that about? Jesus is saying, allow them to serve you. Allow people, don't just serve them. See, sometimes we get spiritually priggish or like, I'll just be a servant of everybody. I'm gonna go serve people. He says, no, no, let people serve you. Don't just be the one who's always doing the spiritual thing. That brings us to point number three. Activated messengers spread the message by serving people and heal those who are sick. Now, I know that for the most part, we don't have a bunch of healers in here, okay? God still gives the gift of healing, but for the most part, that's, you know, like 5% of the body of Christ, but he gave you something. He gave these guys the gifts they needed for the context they were in, but he's given you the gifts that you need for the context you are in. And so he says, I want you to stay, but I want you to serve. I want you to find ways to be helpful to the people that you're staying with. I want you to find ways to, like, like what can you use? Can you, can you babysit for them? How can you just demonstrate the love of Christ? Um, can you, you know, can you just sit, maybe, yeah, they just need someone to sit with them. Maybe you can just like walk their kids to school or whatever it is. Maybe you can make them a meal. Whatever your thing is, don't just be the one that, you know, um, I, I'm gonna stay, but I'm into my own thing. I'm, I'm always talking about me rather than talking about them. Here's a more dangerous prayer. God, show me, where am I underserving the people that you've put in my life? Now get ready. Because if you're serious, he's going to give you some chores, okay? He's going to show you some stuff. Oh, well, there's this person. You could totally help here. And it's going to mess with your agenda. But your real agenda is a messenger. And so, Let's go ahead and serve. See, when we've got a history of staying and serving, we're more likely to have a hearing when we approach spiritual topics. Here's the last one, number four. Activated messengers speak with the spiritually open. Activated messengers speak with the spiritually open. Whatever house you enter, first say, 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 peace to you. At some point, you gotta say something. At some point, you gotta talk about it. At some point, you have to talk about being reconciled to God through Jesus Christ or what God's doing in your life. It doesn't always have to look the same with every person. But at some point we present, hey, the king is coming near and he offers you a deal. And it's all these rewards that we listed earlier. But you got to have the eyes to see that people are ready. So how many have heard my 
my hungry duck story. How many know the hungry duck story? Good, because I want to tell it again, and I want to make sure a lot of people don't know it. If you know my hungry duck story online, go ahead and put a duck emoji in the chat. So Kenzie and I, were, again, we're, we're, we don't have any money, okay? We're newly married. We're down at the lake, okay? Now, we barely have 35 cents, but we, we kind of save our bread, you know, like crusts, okay? So we got this, like, little bag of bread crusts, and we're going down, hey, we're going to feed the ducks. My wife likes animals. Let's feed the ducks, okay? So we're getting down. You can get real close because they, they come right up, and I'm getting out the bread. I'm just putting it right there in front of them, you know? And there's some guys, there's some little ducks that are really zippy, man, okay? They're like, they just take it. Wrong. They grab that bread. And at first, I'm like, doggone, man, like these other guys don't get any. You know, you have the really fast ones, and I'm feeling bad for the ones that don't get much. And so I see kind of like the slowest little guy. I'm, I'm going to get right up in front of him. I get, get my bread out, right? And I just, just, just put it right there. You know, it's like, boom, right there in front of him. And a beat goes by, and he's just looking at it. And, you know, and then the other guy comes and grabs it. And the strangest thing happened. In that moment, I got mad at that duck. I got mad at the slow duck. I was like, who are you, duck? What do you got around? You got algae? What are you going to eat today that's better than my bread? I drove all the way here. This is good bread. And you're going to ignore my bread? I like this hungry guy. I'm going to give all my bread to him. He appreciates my bread. And it sounds weird as I'm having this fight with a duck in my head. I felt like the Holy Spirit just spoke to me. I was like, I'm the bread of life and not everybody's hungry for it. I give more to those who eat what they're given. And sometimes we have to evaluate who's already hungry here. You ever notice like, there's people that are spiritually hungry and there's people that aren't. And Jesus is saying, hey man, don't spend all your time with people that you just know they're not hungry. Okay? Feed the hungry. Look for the hungry ducks. Have more intentional time with them. Sometimes it's really confusing to know what to do. Sometimes you don't know what to say. But every one of us is going to encounter people like, oh, I think you're hungry. Now here's what we've got to do to not mess up the hungry moments. Okay? Let's remember that everybody needs the process of self-discovery. I tried this when I was first a Christian. I tried to like just tell people the whole deal. And hey, let me just tell you all the things that you need to understand about Jesus. Okay, first, you're full of hell and you're, you're a wicked sinner and all that. You, know, like, you start in with that kind of stuff. And it just didn't go well. And one of the reasons it didn't go well, <laughs> not only because that's really bad news, but they didn't really discover anything about Jesus themselves. They didn't go searching for the treasure and find it hidden in a field. They just had somebody like whip a bag of money at them really hard, you know, and they're like, what was that? Everybody's got their own process of self-discovery and it's our job to help them find the breadcrumbs that lead them to Jesus Christ. And we give them as much or as little as they're willing to eat right at that moment. So I'll I'll just give you some examples of things that I might say to different ones. And I'm going to go real level one, okay? So it might be level one. That means, when I say level one, that means... We're not really particularly tight. They're not willing to be super vulnerable, but we're becoming friends. And so I'm going to say something like, hey, are you open to talking about spiritual things? Like, that's just level one. Are you open to talking about God's stuff? How open are you? That's just like a real, I'm just wanting to know. If you're not open, let's not talk about it. But if you are, sure, let's talk about, let me find out where you are. What's your spiritual background or whatever? So it might look like that. It might be, let's say I'm talking to somebody who's, who's really well-educated. Let's say that they're a chemist and they went to school and they, you know, they've really grown in their understanding. And I might say something like, hey, we're on level two a little bit. You've grown in your understanding of chemistry, right? Like you didn't start knowing this. You know this now. You're a professional. 
Do you think it's possible that people can grow in their understanding of God? Do you think it's possible that you can not know a ton and then start to go on a journey where you know a lot more about what God wants for you? Do you think that's possible? And, and maybe they'll pick it up. Maybe they won't. But either way, I'm offering it. It might be that I just have no idea what to say. So I say, hey, man, we got an Easter service in two weeks. You feel like coming with me? Like, that could be fun. Or it might be, like my buddy who was really close. We were like at level five. And we're like in the truck. And I know this guy. I'm like, this guy knows like all the deal. He knows the whole thing. What is the problem here? What is keeping him from Christ? And so I just ask him. I'm like, hey, man, help me understand this. I feel like you know all the things. What, here's the question, what is keeping you from giving your life to Christ? And he just said, uh, nothing. <laughs> so we prayed to receive Christ right there in the truck. But it, I mean, that was all it was. Like the only thing that was keeping him back was the question. People are going to be at different levels of hunger. We talk about it sometimes like they're apples. Okay, sometimes it's a really ripe apple. You just pick that apple. And it's beautiful and sweet. They become a sweet little Christian. But other times it's green. It's not ripe. It's just, I don't mean like a green apple. I mean like a green, not ripe apple. And it's sitting there and you can't even pull that thing off the tree. You're like poking at it. Let's not poke at people before they're ready. It's not, hey, come on, come on out, get saved. You, you can't push people into it. You just wait, just come back around. You just say, hey, um, they're not ready. So I'm not going to be poking at this. One final Almost final. There's a final and then a second final. And then it's really the final. One final thing. We got to know when to move on. Okay, because Jesus said, hey man, at some point, you just got to move on. And he said it really harsh. He said, go out into the streets and say, even if the dust of your city, which clings to our feet, we wipe off and protest against you. Yeah, be sure of this. The kingdom of God has come near you. We don't do that version. Okay, we don't, we don't like walk by their house and be like, uh-huh. That's what I think of you. We don't even do what Paul did. Paul in chapter eight, in Acts eighteen six, he's taught. You know, he's he's he was this Jewish scholar, so he's coming to the Jews and he's like, let me tell you about the Messiah, and they didn't want to receive it. it. Says verse six, but when they resisted and blasted him, he shook out his garments and said, "Your blood's on your own hands. I'm clean. From now on, I'm going to go to the Gentiles, the non-Jewish people." We're not literally going to do that, but there is a spiritual principle there that in our hearts we've been intentional with somebody. We've been trying to like feed them the hungry duck bread. We're talking about the kingdom. They just don't want to pick it up, which is fine. But in our hearts, we just say, you know, I love you. I want to keep praying for you. But I can't have like an emotional attachment to how you're doing all the time. I'm just going to cut that string. I'm going to leave you in Jesus' hands. And I'm going to spend my time looking for those who are hungry. I'm going to look elsewhere. I'm going to go find the people that really still want the gospel. If you don't want peace with God right now, I'm not losing my peace about it. It'll be just fine. I'm going to move on because here's what they can trust. They can trust that they can pray for that person because remember what he said in verse two, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore plead. The first thing Jesus tells us to do, plead with the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. He says, that's when you start to pray. That's not when you start. Hopefully you've been praying. That's when you, you know there's all I can do is pray now because I've tried to feed them and they don't want it. So I'm just going to pray, God, would you send somebody? There's, you've got a lot of people. What, what was the prayer? The prayer was raise up others. Raise up others that will be sent into their life. That's a really cool prayer that you can just pray when, okay, clearly they're not receiving it from me. There's something about my personality they don't like or whatever, but God, there's somebody they will like that's going to come with just the right flavor. 
raise up that harvester and send them into their field and raise me up and send me into a different field where I'm going to be fruitful and profitable. And so we can trust, God, they're in your hands. I'm praying you send somebody and send me elsewhere. Now, here's a question, and this is going to close it. Why them? Why these 72? I believe we're answered that question in the text. It's because they understand grace. Verse 20. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this. They're out fighting these devils. Do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are recorded in heaven. Jesus says, hey, I know that's cool, but the greater miracle is not that devils are now running from you. The greater miracle is that you who were wicked are now made good because of Jesus Christ. That's what's amazing. What's amazing is that Jesus is including you in the plan at all. See, they didn't like audition and be like, hey, I'm, I'm pretty good looking, Jesus, can I go? Jesus, I'm kind of good at talking people into stuff and I, you know, I like to eat, can I go? They didn't audition for it. There was nothing like that, that they had to do to get into this. And there's nothing that we have to do to get into this. All we have to do is recognize our need for grace. They understood what it was to be a forgiven creature. And those are the best messengers. The best messengers aren't trying to slap everybody. The best messengers are gripped with this idea of, I don't deserve to be on this team. The best messengers know that everybody in heaven, aside from God, knows that they're not supposed to be there. They know it was only sheer forgiveness and grace that got them in. And that identity, that ambassador identity that also knows I'm not like the ambassador because I'm so dope. I'm not the ambassador because I'm doing all this right. I'm an ambassador because my name was written in heaven apart from me. Jesus did it with his sacrifice. Jesus just did it. I didn't do anything. And that's what qualifies me to be his ambassador because that is the message. So here's some challenges. Do you have to put on the badge? Do you have to put on the ambassador badge? Are you just refraining from putting that on because you're afraid you might make a mistake? Forget about mistakes. You're making mistakes already anyway. You might as well make a few mistakes on your way to getting better at being that messenger. And then maybe the next one is, let's really pray. Let's really pray over the next two weeks. Let's really pray. God, give me eyes to see. You see the harvest, Jesus. Give me eyes to see the ones I'm supposed to stay with, the ones I'm supposed to serve and how to serve them, and the ones when it's time to speak about the great reconciliation that takes place between God and man through Jesus Christ. Give me the wisdom to see it. Let's pray that right now. God, I pray for something to click in our spirits. I pray for any place where we're, you know, just we're missing the fullness of what you're trying to say through this ambassador thing. I pray that we would click over and just believe you that we are the ones you have sent. And God, we admit, just like you said, Jesus, we don't see the harvest, though it is plentiful. Would you give us eyes to see it? Help us to see those you're calling us to stay with and serve and keep praying for and keep speaking to. And God, we're praying that that harvest would happen. Pray that we would see it. Pray for each and every person praying with me right now that they would see it in their own life, the harvest that Jesus promises to those who don't deserve to be on the team. In Christ's name. 
Hey, thank you so much for joining us today. If you don't have a home church and you're looking for a Bible preaching community that has its heart set on passionately knowing Jesus and being His witness in our generation, check out Fierce.Church. We'd love for you to join us either digitally or in person. Also, if you're looking for leadership development related content, don't forget to check out the Fierce Leadership Podcast, available wherever you get your podcast from. Special thanks to those of you who give generously to support this ministry. It's because of you that this is possible. You can click on the link in the description to give now or visit fierce.church for more information. If you enjoyed this podcast, why not subscribe, share it with your friends, click on the share button, take a screenshot, and share it on social media or wherever you would share such things. Whatever challenges you're facing, I know you can make it. Don't give up. Hang on to Jesus. He won't let go of you. Jesus loves you so much, and we love you. I hope someday we get to meet in person. Thanks again for listening.